This is an ABC podcast. Leadership isn't about doing what's popular. Leadership is about doing what's right. But we also know that our time in the sun will come again. Thank you very much. G'day, I'm Richard Willingham, the ABC state political reporter here in Victoria. And I'm Raf Epstein, host of The Drive Show on ABC Radio Melbourne. And this is the final episode of Matters of State covering the Victorian election. And now for the good bit, Raf. This is the post-match analysis of what went right, what went wrong, who are the big winners and who are the very big losers. I want to focus on how this campaign played out. I think we need to go back to the dark days of the pandemic and look at what happened. But let's begin with one of Dan Andrews' more memorable phrases from his victory speech on Saturday night. Friends, hope always defeats hate. Dan Andrews' ability to use alliteration and to really pack a lot into a very short phrase, I really began to notice this during the dark days of the pandemic. Have a listen to this attack on the then Federal Treasurer. He is not a leader. He is just a Liberal. He speaks in grabs. He speaks in friendly radio, TV grabs. They're easy to understand. They're easy to print. They're very easy to share online too. It's all calculated and he's very good at it. When I went back to listen to, he's not a leader, he's just a Liberal. At the time, I heard that as a, right, I'm going to swat back at you, Josh Frydenberg. The more I think about it, He's not just saying something about Josh Frydenberg. Whenever he uses the word leader, he's talking about himself. Mm-hmm. When He uses the word liberal as a derogatory word. If he mentions the New South Wales Premier, Don Perrottet, that's about leadership. He never uses the word liberal. If he mentions Matthew Guy, he's just a liberal. And that's, that's this incredibly powerful reinforcement of an already tarnished liberal brand. And you'll often say... That's what leadership looks like. So every time he was criticised about the pandemic, he'd say, and he even said it in the last week of the election campaign, we took the tough decisions, we didn't do the popular thing, we did what was mattered most, and he says, he literally says, because that's what leadership is. Reforming giant and Labor icon Paul Keating once said to me, son, leadership isn't about doing what's popular. Leadership is about doing what's right. And that is what's worked for him. You just look at look at the results on the weekend and it is a endorsement of his leadership and it's endorsement of taking those tough decisions, I think, particularly in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne because that's where this election was won and lost. I want to look back as well at some of the early words that Matthew Guy used because it, with the benefit of hindsight, it is very clear... There was a lot of hatred of Dan Andrews. The big problem for the Liberal Party is it was amongst a small group of people. And I think who, if you, who had a megaphone. These people 100%. had a megaphone. Well, and a lot of it was in the media, right? This was a daily, I would say, almost unprecedented, sustained attack on the Premier's character from certain sections of the media. And again, those bits of the media can do what they like. As long as they're making money, they can do what they like. The huge, the fundamental paradigm-shifting mistake that the Liberal Party made was to think they could ride that wave of hate and sort of surf their way 
into taking back Spring Street. I want to listen to something that Matthew Guy said in a speech. This is, again, the dark days of the pandemic. This is the beginning of last year. He's a backbencher in a very unreported-on speech. The reality is we have a government that is punch-drunk on power and, frankly, is operating in a realm of delusion that I think most Australians are now becoming increasingly concerned about. Just the punch-drunk on power, before we look at Matthew Guy's words... That rhetoric got refined and we heard again and again it was an official campaign ad, it was an official campaign slogan, don't wake up with a Dan Andrews hangover. I say to Victorians, don't miss this chance. Don't wake up on Sunday with a Daniel Andrews hangover. Don't miss the chance on Saturday to vote him and this government out. This was the strategy throughout the campaign. It was playing the man. It wasn't playing the ball. And... Liberals were convinced this was going to do it for them. They were convinced that the feedback they were getting from people on the street was they would people would come up to them and say, I hate Dan, what are you going to do to get rid of him? You've got my vote. Now, the problem with this strategy was it was almost it was self-fulfilling. So people knew these people were Liberal MPs, so they knew that they could talk to them about this issue, whereas the others in the community, which is clearly the bigger percentage, just weren't interested in the, the vitriol. Some people that voted for Labor did so through gritted teeth, but there was a belief in the competency of this government. It was a government that got things done. This is what Daniel Andrews' motto has been for the last eight years, is they just do stuff. They just do stuff. And they, and they say, when they say they're going to do something, yes. they generally do it. And the- you don't have to agree with it, but they do it. The problem, I think there's a huge problem for the Liberal Party around competency. They don't trust the Liberal Party to be competent. But I think the believing the hate could deliver them power and also believing they believe in their bones. And Matthew Guy said uh, a number of times that this government is about PR first and managing people's health through the pandemic second. The, The Liberal Party were convinced that Dan Andrews' priority was politics first and policy second. And when you look at it on this side of the election result, that was the Liberal Party's problem. They were the ones who were they, obsessed they, with politics ahead of policy. They had no policy. It was a spendathon. Let's dive into that just briefly. Where, again, when they announced that they weren't going to build the suburban rail loop, my first thought was, gee, that's risky because there's a whole lot of seats in the eastern suburbs who might like that rail line. But I did think, okay, that's great. There's a signature policy they way to say... They stood for something. Well, they... It's a platform that you can build on to say yeah. we don't spend as much money uh, as the other side. The huge problem, though, is that they then went around spending a ton more money than Labor. So they sort of, by promising everyone in every electorate something... Everyone gets a prize. They totally undermine the point of the suburban well, rail loop cancellation. And I mean, you would have heard it on, on radio, people calling and saying, what? I don't believe it. When's it going to stop? You get a hospital, you get a hospital, you get a new road. It was just, it was almost unbelievable. The one thing it did work for, cutting up the suburban rail loop, was for the Nationals. The Junior Coalition partner did well. They won three seats. They could go around saying, we as a coalition are taking money out of Melbourne and giving it to you in the regions. It just didn't help in the eastern suburbs where this election was won and lost. And that's the big problem. And we we might come to that later because that's the huge demographic heart of the city now. That is the electoral heart and Labor's got a stronghold on the eastern suburbs. But just on the lack of policy preparation, the lack of policy rigour, Tim Smith is now longer in Parliament. He was a huge part of getting Matt Guy back into the leadership. He came into the studio on Monday to have a chat and he was also saying the Liberal Party didn't do the policy work. The time to actually get into people's psyche that we were ready for government was two years ago, was at the end of 2020, when 
there was significant movement in the polls against the government. We'd been locked down for months. People were crying out for an alternate vision and we gave them donuts. We've been smashed at this election because we had no policy. The other really interesting thing Tippin Smith said, so the $2 public transport fares across Melbourne and in big regional centres, he was really critical that that hadn't been announced months before. There's there's the idea that when you're campaigning now, you need to give things lots of time to breathe because they filter down, not through listening to the radio or watching the TV at night. It's socials. It's a slow drip. If you cast your mind back to 2014 when Daniel Andrews won, the level crossing removals came months before. Nearly a year, I think it was nearly a year out. And we were bored, actually. We stopped talking about the level crossing yeah, removals. we stopped talking we about it. we were bored of it. But every local MP, every candidate was like, see that level crossing at the end of your street? We're removing that. And there's your vote base there. No one has been able to match that. The coalition haven't been able to find a similar piece of, yeah. I guess, imagination-capturing policy for the last three elections. But just on level crossings, I hate to come back to it, but... When Dan Andrews is asked on Sunday the thing journalists and politicians obsess about, he now qualifies, or he will soon qualify, to have a statue as a Premier who's been there for 3,000 days. He'll get the statue in Treasury Place. He was asked about it. He said that's not the legacy he's interested in. What is he interested in? Skyrail, level crossings, the huge bridge and train station that is above the Noble Park skate ramp, which is where his son goes skating. So he's still hammering home he's, he's never sky rail and level crossings that that is still top of mind he clearly knows that all of his mps and he knows himself as he says when he goes to netball that that's stuff matters and that plays that's, into the theme legacy right yeah labor's doing what matters let's look forward normally there's a cycle in politics two or three terms and it switches sides there was sort of a conventional wisdom that labor would probably expected to win this election, take a haircut, which puts the Liberals in a position to win in 2026. They've had such a stinker that they're no longer, you know, a shoe-in to win 2026. Matthew Guy said he needed to climb Everest. They haven't even made base camp. And I, I do want to address the maths. I, mean, I love that line that they haven't made base camp because I think Matthew Guy's line was winning this campaign is like climbing Everest backwards in a blizzard without oxygen. You're so right that they haven't made it to base camp. They are further behind, I think. And it'd be further behind if the Nationals hadn't done well. Oh, 100%. It would have been terrible for them. They were looking at trying to get over the top of a Labor majority at the election we've just had. And Labor, I think, basically had about... You only need 40... You need 45 seats to be in majority. In the last parliament, Labor had something like 42 seats on a percentage of 7% or more. That's Like, that's a hefty... Percentage. That's a lot. We don't know yet at the time we're recording this what the results will be, but it looks like Labor's wall is going to be even higher and even wider. They're going to have more seats on bigger margins. And it's they've got basically from the inner west all the way to the outer east of Melbourne. They've got this huge swathe of the Outer map. West too. I mean, yep. the swings didn't happen there as they were predicted to happen. Oh, well, Melton, they got a swing to them, didn't they? Yeah. And then I think... You look at somewhere like the Sandbelt. Now, this election was the first election in my career that we weren't in Your the... Your long-end story career. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My fourth, my fourth election, state election, this is the first time we didn't spend every second day in Frankston. In fact, I didn't go to Frankston this election. It's Labor Heartland now. That whole... Frankston train line. You go back to the 2010 election. And guess what, Rich? Level crossings. Level crossings. Level crossings level new tapes, new schools, extra big roads. I wouldn't say the pork-barrelling word, but you never know. <laughs> it's... It's shifted. And it's now, about service delivery, Richard. It's it, about giving people the things they need to make uh, their lives better. Very good, very good.
what Dan Andrews has done in an era when the rest of Australia major parties are struggling, they're this huge colossus of a party sort of straddling the political divide and dominating the centre. And the thing that would worry other parties trying to knock them off is that they're aware of the problems they've got in the outer suburbs. Like, they, they worked hard. They put a lot of campaign resources into them. Milton. They've also got four years. Yeah. They've got four years to address these problems, um, and that should worry the other side. Four years can be a really long time, Rich. Let's look at the things that could be really problematic for them. So the spendathon. I don't think there's any big new significant hospital opening up in the next four years. They're all due to open up after that. They still don't have nurses. Uh, they don't have the numbers of nurses they need. They don't have the numbers of allied health people they need. They don't have the number of doctors they Mental need. Mental health. Well, and they've still got to fix the mental health system. That is a work in progress. So there are any number of day-to-day bread and butter delivery issues that they could really come a cropper with. People might have lost patience at the next election. And I think the other thing that's really worth mentioning, we don't know what's coming uh, down the integrity pipeline. Well, we know something's coming. (laughs) What what do we we know know about what's coming? We know that there's a report looking at the government's dealings with a health union, and it was directly looking at, the Premier, we don't know when that's That's reporting. an IBAC report. That's an IBAC report. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the IBAC report into developer donations. Uh, there's an IBAC report into the government's relationship with the United Firefighters Union. I'm not sure those second two are going to be as much of an issue as the Health Services Union. I think that's right. I think that's the right analysis. As far as much as we know. They are known unknowns, mm-hmm. Raf. But just on the inquiries, tell me if you think... The ombudsman's inquiry is going to be interesting. Deborah Glass is looking at the politicisation of the public service. The accusation is essentially that there are too many... It's stacked. ...politically friendly public servants, too friendly towards the government. And that's something specifically the ombudsman is going to look at. Is that going to... Like, maybe that will really tarnish... You know, I don't think, think it will. A, I think it's... That's um, what they call the sort of so-called grey belt, corruption or soft it's, corruption. It's beltway. And people right. want to know, is it a crime? Is my no, money being wasted? Are we getting value for money? That'll be up to, obviously, the ombudsman decide. It's unfortunately, and I'm not endorsing it, but that's the way the government's worked because Labor has been in power for all but four years since oh, yeah. 1999. It's hard for them not to be close to a lot of people, isn't it? Okay, uh, let, let's talk about the two men involved. Firstly, Matt Guy, is he going to stay in Parliament? Uh, for now, I don't see why he would stay any longer than he has to. He needs to find another job. I think probably he's been whacked twice. There's no coming back. Pretty brutal. He hasn't surfaced. We're recording this on a Wednesday. He hasn't spoken publicly. I don't think we'll publicly. see him for a while. Right. Um, there's a party room next week, so he might need to front for that. But I don't, I, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to hang around long term. And let's ponder what Dan Andrews might do. Here he is on the Sunday morning after the victory. And you will serve a full four-year term? Yes, I will. It's the greatest honour of my life. You won't be retiring early? It's the greatest honour of my life, and I'm here to get things done. It's what I've always done, and I'm so thrilled to be able to do it for another four years. Now, it's obviously easy to make that comment after you've had yet another victory. Some of his colleagues have speculated that he won't go the full four years. Obviously, we can only take him at his word. Politicians say they're going to serve four years until they don't. (laughs) Uh, And what about whether or not there's some sort of secret agreement? Uh, Paul Keating and Bob Hawke had apparently made an agreement at Kirribilli, an agreement about who would take over when. I put that question to Jacinta Allen. Is there some sort of Kirribilli agreement, some secret agreement that she takes over before the next election? But no, she just told me she's got the job she wants. Other people can speculate till the cows come home, Raf. We're focused on delivering for Victoria. We've got, I've got the job I want and I'm absolutely thrilled to serve with my colleagues to deliver on this agenda. Now, as much as Jacinta Allen is considered by some the anointed one, the factions 
won't necessarily let that happen. So I think that is, we need to put a little bit of a, a, an ice pack on that one because that, that is not necessarily Jacinta's job just because the Premier would like it to be. And Rich, who do you think is going to be Liberal leader? Or who do you think they'll pick next week? Well, it's going to be down between Brad Batten and John Pesuto. Most people would like to see John Pesuto, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. It's the inner city versus the outer suburbs. That's right. That's right. It doesn't matter. We've already seen that they tear down leaders within two years. So whoever's doing it might just be a seat warmer for two years anyway. Uh, whatever it's going to happen, it's going to be messy and whoever becomes the leader needs to actually get on and reform their party if they're to have any chance of scaling Everest. I just have one small postscript for the podcast because this whole podcast really has been a postmortem of the result. I have never lived through the COVID experience. I've never reported on an experience that's affected my life in quite the same way. I think that's how everyone feels after the pandemic. And I do actually find it quite remarkable that after years of anger and vitriol, and let's face it, like there was real division, a lot of people did just want to knuckle down and get on with it. And then a really willing election campaign, I think most of us were really actually quite surprised that Labor's had such a complete vindication. Thumping win. And the Liberal Party's just endured complete humiliation. But nothing ever stays the same in politics. So who knows what comes next? Thanks, Raf, for being part of Matters of State. It's been a wild ride. It's been fun. But if you love Victorian politics, you can still get it. You can tune into Raf every week between 3.30 and 6.30 on the radio. And you can get Richard's reporting and analysis on ABC News, on your telly, your radio, online. A huge thank you to everybody who's downloaded the podcast and had a listen. There's tons of other great podcasts on the ABC Listen app. And an even bigger thank you to an amazing team behind the scenes of Matters of State, Aaron, Nile, and MJ. Thank you very much. And we'll see you again soon. Go Dees.